Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another untitled streaming, but sort of movie review because it's playing in cinemas in both New York and Toronto and maybe other places, but I only know New York and Toronto. Uh, but I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, and alongside me is, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's one half of the Cherry Tomato Boys. Yeah! <laughs> Just getting back from Nate's uh, Lizard Lounge. Got a beverage yeah. and uh, nice. good to go. Good to go. I went with iced coffee. Uh, no cherry tomatoes, but I do have an Uncrustable on standby. It's currently defrosting. Um, we've record. We're doing a lot of recording today, everyone. This is uh, the mid-record snack with the uh, iced coffee and the Uncrustable and the grape. Soda from Eric <laughs> reminds Ziba. me of when you got uh, when you got grape soda on the uh, grape crush when we were on yeah. the bus ride from hell back from New York. Oh, that's that's um, when you know like things are getting wild. <laughs> when Eric breaks up the grape soda. Uh, so today we will be reviewing the first three episodes of the uh, Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie series, The Curse which is uh, now streaming on Paramount Plus, both in the U.S. and Canada. It's a Showtime and A24 uh, co-production, which is, on, which is on Paramount Plus. Uh, so a little It's very confusing. Can, yeah. Um, it should where, be on HGTV, let's be real. Yeah, I'm not against that either. <laughs> um, and then what I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it is playing theatrically in a couple of locations, which was probably by the request of, I'm assuming, Benny Safdie, but probably Nathan Fielder as well. But like, um, it is playing in New York at the Lincoln Center because it did premiere at the New York Film Festival. These same three episodes that we saw premiered at the New York Film Festival. And then it's playing week to week theatrically at the Lincoln Center. So TIFF here in Toronto is doing the same thing where they premiered the first three episodes last week where Eric and I went. Um, did I realize each episode was an hour long and that we'd be there for three hours? I did not. Nope. But uh, not at all. <laughs> that's okay. Um, and uh, then they'll be doing weekly showings on Fridays of the subsequent episodes so they did the first three but then when episode uh four starts they'll be doing it weekly at tiff and in new york could be other places let us know if there are other places that are doing this and then uh until the series ends so we'll be talking about the first three episodes the first episode is available for everyone to stream uh right now on paramount plus canada or if there are tickets left, go see it at the light box. I don't know if we'll be going every week. I think that's too much of a commitment for me. Uh, yeah. I might try to do the finale with Eric because I think that would be fun to just bookend the series with the premiere episodes and the finale. So uh, we'll get into it. We won't spoil um, specific details and plot points from episodes two and three because no one has seen those yet other than the people who attended these screenings. Uh, but everyone has seen episode one. So we can kind of talk about that as a whole, uh, or if you haven't, we'll try to dance around that stuff as, as well, be, since we have to dance around everything. But there will be specific things that we point out. So if you don't want to know anything, stop now, go watch the first episode, maybe come back ap after episode three or something like that, or, or come back and just see our spoiler-free thoughts on everything. So uh, first episode directed by Nathan Fielder. Then we have the Zellner brothers directing episodes two and three. Um, oh, yeah. 
Eric, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, or maybe we should give people like a little bit of a log line of what the hell this show is if they don't know. It is a safety fielder kind of uh, whatever you think that would be of take if you've it seen is. Things, <laughs> yeah. If you've seen a Safty Brothers movie or if you've seen a Nathan Fielder TV show, just imagine the love child uh, of those two things and and it is exactly what you would expect it to be. So it's cringe a, comedy at its yeah. finest. It's yeah. what it really comes down to and like it's it's hard not to say this or to sum it up this way at least with the first episode, but even just like in in terms of like what I have seen and laughed at in uh 2023 but the cherry tomato boys exposes the funniest sight gag of 2023 and i cannot stop laughing every time i think about it it's incredible but it also like you mentioned it's it's that perfect storm of self-deprecation um anxiety stress uh fear of everything and everyone around you and sometimes the absurdity just kind of slowly but surely seeping in it's on a weird disjointed kind of roller coaster ride at times where you know it goes from one direction to another um is it magical realism that's coming into play or is there an actual force are these people that we're watching who you know, are very complicated but flawed individuals taking responsibility for their own mistakes or blaming something that they feel is uh, apt because it's out of their control. And so when you're focusing a story, which is kind of ingenious, you know, to take the HDTV kind of craze of like the Property Brothers and other shows like that, you know, the home reno, you know, flipping houses kind of show and then it turn it on extreme its- home makeover. Remember that from like 10 years yeah. ago or 15 years ago. So when you flip those kind of shows on its head and you have this young newlywed couple played by Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder working on a pilot for HGTV with Benny Safdie as the producer who kind of looks a little almost like Gene Simmons, like in that way where like he has like the hair and like Goatee. kind of grew up in the, in the um, metal era, heavy metal power ballad era of, of music working on this show. And they're introducing eco-friendly um, housing in New Mexico go horribly, horribly, horribly wrong in each episode in terms of dealing with gentrification but also um imposter syndrome anxiety uh plagiarism it, it, like like Insecurity every security is a big thing right like yeah even things about you know uh appropriation and sort of bringing you know bringing and involving the yeah community <laughs> like all oh, the white yeah. feminism oh my god yeah. It's yeah. it's incredible. It's this mix of everything that you try to avoid in your own life and you're getting it all on the screen or if you're watching it at home. And it is some of the funniest stuff you will see this year. Um, but it, it also is so morose that when you get to the second and third episode, like the rehearsal, it becomes something else a little bit. Like it, it starts to really like disintegrate that first episode of like introducing the couple, introducing sort of the storyline and giving you the sense that even before this curse that this young girl in a parking lot, (laughs) this tiny curse is afflicted on them. It's like they were having problems before. 
And you can see that even in the interview that they give, especially Nathan Fielder, who can't let things go. Um, And so when you're watching this, you can't help but feel both self-loathing and then also laughing at it because there are things where it's like Nathan Fielder, I think, is his own worst critic and you see oh, yeah. that throughout the entire he inserts it in every show he's ever done is just okay i'm just quite literally he inserts it in yeah. this um yeah. in 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 some of the most absurd ways possible but yeah it, emma stone's incredible on this show yeah. and like between this and poor things she's doing some amazing work in terms of going against any like conventional you know agent or studio choices and finding the most kind of polarizing, divisive, absurd material you can get at. And then just, you know, playing within something that people know and making it trendy, but at the same time warping that it's perfect. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Like what I was mentioning earlier of going, I think it's one of those shows where if you you know it's your thing just based on the people involved, right? And yeah. like I said, it lives up to everything you could expect a safty fielder collab would be, where Eric mentioned it, the cringe comedy from Fielder and him actually playing like a character is interesting. Even though he's I, I was having this conversation with someone at a party yesterday where they're like, Oh, it's so interesting seeing him like acting and and playing like a, a you know a, a character. And I'm like yeah, I mean, he he has been for like, I'm like, he's not, I get he's himself in those other shows, but I'm like, he's acting in all of He's a heightened shows. version of himself. Yeah, he's playing exaggerated. And here he's, here's, he's essentially doing the same thing again. It's not necessarily like he's doing something miraculously different. It's, it's the same. It's just in a something that is shown to you as this fictional narrative rather than it this blend of what's real and what's not in his other shows right um i think he's great uh, and then you get all that anxiety inducing kind of dark safty stuff from them too and that that you know blend of both of those things where it starts off very funny very much like a nathan fielder style show where it's uh, and the safties do this as well where some people seem like professional actors some aren't and and you know that that works really well with both of their kind of styles um starts off very funny but as eric mentioned like as the show kind of goes on and you see episode two and three uh, a darkness creeps in and i mentioned insecurity and like that's the biggest thing that I see with these two leads and in, in, in the show and, and what this curse is and like this insecurity is almost their curse. And Eric already mentioned of being like, is it actually supernatural or are they just their own worst enemies and they'll just pass blame on to everyone else and just use this as kind of a crutch to be like, well, it's I'm cursed. So that's why all this bad stuff's happening to me or our marriage or, or anything like that. And I think them being so insecure in themselves, being so insecure in their marriage um and how that just all kind of plays out and the different elements that happen it gets darker and darker and and you know some of benny safty's character stuff gets pretty dark and sad and um that's the stuff that i wasn't i didn't know what to expect from this even though i it's exactly what i expected if that makes sense i know that <laughs> kind of like i had no idea what to expect but then when i got it i go of course this is what this is right like at times it's it's uncut gems where you're like clenching your you're sweating and your palms are sweating you're like oh this is so uncomfortable to the i'm getting anxiety and then it's so uncomfortable you're laughing and that's the nathan fielder thing right so of well even with the things, safties like there's a moment yeah, where know, benny yeah. safty is crying yeah. and you can't help but 
like, one guy in our theater it? just laughed their ass off at that, and no one else is laughing in the theater. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard not to because it's like it's it's the way that that shot, and it's the way that the camera's zooming in in that moment, or you know when he's talking about his backstory, it's 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 oh disturbing God, and yeah. tragic and and horrible, but, but the also way it's it's funny. It's matter of fact, yeah. you know, and yeah. and you're watching this and you're seeing, you know this couple at the center of it, you know, make the choices that they do. And they're trying to, you know, Emma Stone's character, her, her parents, um, you know, have worked in subsidized housing and they've taken advantage of people that have economic, um, you know, restraints and have been having problems. And so, you, you know, she's trying to kind of disassociate herself with that, but still is, you know, falling in line with a lot of the things that her parents did. Um, And so you see that aspect of it or, you know, how she approaches any culture or, you know, people of color that aren't her own, you know, like her own way of thinking and sort of thinking, Oh, I can help here and I can do this and I can, I can be the white savior. Yeah. And that aspect kind of plays out in the virtue um, signaling as well. Right. Like, oh. her, like it's just, it makes for like really uncomfortable, but really like you see people like this all the time and just, and Emma Stone is so great at capturing that throughout this whole thing of that, a woman who so badly wants people to see that she's a good person or that, but really they're not, they're, they're only really doing it for themselves. Right. But needs everyone to see like, and, and, you know, even though they think that they're doing it for the right reasons, it's like they sub- they don't even subconsciously realize that it's selfish what they're doing and it is virtue signaling to the point of just like, look what I'm doing and look at everything that I do. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And that's that insecurity that I keep talking about that you see from that character. And it's she's such a good actress. And I mean, we saw poor things in this within a couple days span. And you go, God damn, Emma Stone is really great and can play like any character and i believe it like there are certain actors where you just go this i don't buy you as this but everything at least lately like even her comedic stuff to her more serious stuff and you know she crushed it in la la land obviously and like poor things is incredible we'll talk about that very very soon but um closer to its release but she's so good at that yeah, virtue signaling, white feminists kind of like uh, in this, it's like, oh, it's that uncomfortable being like, oh, you've everyone's been around someone like this too, or you've seen it. And you're just like, you're really just out for yourself. And then Nathan Fielder just on the other side of thing of being so pathetic and, 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 and desperate at times too, where you're just, uh, you know, he's so badly, you know, wants his wife to like him or, or whoever. And like, uh, he, you know, throws people to the side, like the Benny Safdie character who just wants, you know, a friend at times to, um, but even he's a little sleazy in terms of how he is almost hitting on Emma Stone at one point when they're editing, um, some of the sequences together in one scene and how that plays out. But, um, you even have moments where a lot of the interactions that uh, Nathan Fielder's character Asher has at, a casino that he formerly worked at that he's trying right. to get leverage for <laughs> that plays like Nathan for you almost in a way, yeah. right? Where like he's introducing almost like, you know, items like props into a scene and how they all play out. And I wonder how much of this is scripted and how much of he kind of, you know, 
finds things within the moment to kind of play on or have the actors he's working against, whether they be professionals or somebody that's maybe more local, because that's another thing where it feels like, okay, you have people like Corbin Burns and who's playing uh, Emma Stone's dad in this movie or series. And then you have Gary Farmer who pops up in an episode. You know, these are established actors who have, 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 you know, careers and are known, but then you have people that feel very much like they're local within the community. And even the idea of exploiting, you know, the truth in terms of how you see things, that very first shot of, of episode one, where, you know, they're manipulating the mother, and her sympathies to the son that is oh, trying yeah. to get work. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, putting water on the eyes, it's not dissimilar to what, you know, someone like, uh, Werner Herzog and, and, um, Earl Morris have done in terms of, you know, creating sets or designs to, to, to make you kind of feel like you're emotionally connecting to people or seeing something that's not real. You know, there is a certain amount of exaggeration when it comes to documentary filmmaking. And so the truth is never completely, um, you know, one-sided in that way. And so you're seeing it even within the context of this. And then what you were saying with Emma Stone, what I think is kind of amazing about her performance here and in Poor Things is how versatile she is. I know she yeah. is a, a great actor, but she's able to throw herself into these men, these men that have created these worlds, you know, the Safdie, uh, Benny and, and, and Nathan Fielder, but also in Yorgos Lanthimos, these worlds that they've created that are very specific and that could be easily just consuming and like be the thing that distracts you. But she is able to kind of find her way and navigate it, but then also use it to her advantage and creates her own character and dynamic within you know, something that is so distinct that I think like that is so hard to do when you have a filmmaker or creative that is known for something. And if you can't get on their wavelength, it it's easy to see through it. You know, it's it's easy to see that like it's not working. Like yeah. even as simple as like we I mean, it's not the same thing in terms of like tone or anything like that. But we were talking about, you know, Brie Larson in the Marvels and with the MCU, you can tell that they're is uh, an insecurity there. There is an unsure quality of like, I don't know how to maybe play this character and whether that's partly performance, partly writing, partly just kind of like being thrown into a world that's been, you know, already built. A lot of actors struggle to do that and for people to give themselves over, but still have their own creative voice come through the way that Emma Stone does, it's, it's incredible to watch. And yeah. you kind of feel like at the same time, like they're not necessarily bad people in the sense of like, they're, they're monsters. No. They're just very vain, thin skinned, as you said, insecure, I think is the best word where, you know, what they're doing or what they're trying to do on paper is a good thing, but the reason behind mm -hmm. it all the motivations of these characters is far from, you know, pure in any way, or, you know, it, there's no virtue in what they're doing, you know, and, and if they were more honest with themselves and even the first episode with the cherry tomato boys, you know, if you're more honest with yourself of what you is are that in the first episode or is yeah, it in, oh, it's the is first it episode. Okay? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Cause the, 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 each episode is so long that it yeah. does feel like when you're watching, 
I think also when you're watching them like back to back to back the way that we did, it almost kind of feels like just one long movie. But when you're, when you're watching those scenes, you're realizing, okay, well, these characters need to take responsibility for their actions. And until they do so, they're always going to be fighting against something that's themselves. And then they're just going to find a reason to blame others for their own misfortune and usually like that's basically what being irresponsible is and not being a grown-up is and you can see that these characters are so sheltered and so they don't know what they're doing and (laughs) it's very comical for us but it's also like you can see where things are going horribly wrong and it is so well shot this these three episodes that when you're watching it it still plays like Nathan Fielder, but it's just visually higher grade than the rehearsal or Nathan for you. You know, yeah, you get a little way. bit of that in the casino sequence that you mentioned, where they kind of use those security style cameras and and or like at least angles and stuff like that, where it does play out a little bit more like a Nathan Fielder show. But for the most part, it does have that also that kind of safty look, even with the title sequence and and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, what else did I want to point out? Uh, Barkod Abdi is really good in it as well. He he's smaller role so far, but it's and he nice was in good time as well. Uh, yes, you're right. Um, it's nice seeing kind of him pop up. Um, oh my god, there's a chase sequence, and Eric and I laugh so <laughs> girls hard at a Nathan Fielder <laughs> thing. Just until you see it, like I don't even want to say what it is because, like, I think it'll put like too much pressure on on how funny that moment is um, as my wonderful wife is now home. Um, uh, she says, what's up? If everyone couldn't hear that, we are reviewing the curse, which she still hasn't seen yet, which Nevis, maybe she'll watch the first episode tonight since it's out. Um, there's a sex scene that's so pathetic and funny too. Uh, that is so uncomfortable. Um, that I laughed really, really hard at, but you're just kind of like in your seat again. It's interesting. We had this theatrical experience for this where most people will just watch this in their, in their living room. And I'm wondering if it'll play the same way. And I think that's interesting that they are trying to play it theatrically, but um, obviously the rehearsal and, and, and Nathan for you plays super well at home too. So um, it is this weird blending of these two worlds that when you didn't, I never thought like those coming together like made sense, but when it does, you go, Oh yeah, they're both like anxiety inducing or cringe in different ways. And like, uh, one in, in a, in a funny way and one in an anxiety, uh, driven way. And then sometimes either one crossing over. So yeah, I think it's this perfect blend, uh, of, of all of that. I think all the performances are great. Like Nathan Fielder, not that like best actor, but he like works, in this because he's playing essentially the same character he plays in Nathan for you and, and, and the rehearsal and stuff like that. So, um, and then Benny Safdie, um, uh, you know, I am fine with him inserting himself and, and playing a character like, and he seeing him pop up in more and more stuff lately. Um, I think is, uh, is great too. Obviously he's in Oppenheimer recently and, and, uh, uh, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Yeah. yeah. 
and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it so far. I don't want to go into more because I think you, it's just a show you should experience on your own. <laughs> like there are many moments that we could talk about, uh, more that get more depressing or hilarious throughout, uh, or hilariously episode. depressing. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't wait to watch the rest, but it is, we even mentioned this after seeing it, like it is, I think going to take a lot out of people each week. Like it is one of those things, like even with Nevis having not seen the first three episodes, like, I don't know if it's show I would like, I'm like, Oh, can't wait to rewatch the episodes with you because like each it, they are both, they are exhausting for different reasons, whether it's the anxiety stuff or the depressing stuff or, or, or different things like that. But, um, I, enjoyed the shit out of these three episodes and i'm i think it's a reason to subscribe to paramount plus at least for a month or two uh you can also watch twisted metal while you have it there maybe episodes of survivor uh i don't know what else is on paramount plus uh south park um frazier so i mean yeah frazier's on there um so you could subscribe and watch to all of that. But, um, and if you're in Toronto or New York, like if there are tickets left, like I do think if you can commit to once a week going in on a Friday and, and watching it, I think it is a good time with, uh, a crowd, <laughs> um, in a theater. So I definitely think it's, it's worthwhile seeing it theatrically. The only thing I was bummed about is because it wasn't properly masked, although it was properly masked because the show does have a few sequences of the HGTV show, which I, I do love the cinematography difference, right? Like yeah. the going from the filmic look to this really shitty looking HGTV, no offense to HGTV shows. Like, you know, I've worked on reality shows and things like that, but they have this specific look, which they absolutely nailed. That is very digital looking and very, very clean looking and clean looking. Um, so the, the show shifts from, uh, an anamorphic widescreen to like oh, a classic 185 widescreen. So because it's probably mastered in 185 because of those sequences where I would have preferred it, you know, an anamorphic version that has bars on the side instead of the top and bottom because most of the show is in anamorphic widescreen. So that's a weird nerdy nitpick because we saw it in a theater at home it doesn't really matter. So anyways, that's, uh, I think it's great. I'm not going to put a rating on it because we've seen only three episodes, but I definitely think it's worth watching if you like Nathan Fielder or if you like the Safties. And if you like both of those things, I think you're really going to like it. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's one of those shows where, um, I think I'm going to have to keep watching because, <laughs> but it, I think it is a good point that you made in terms of you need a week to between, yeah. decompress because it is so much self-loathing. It is so much anxiety and stress that it just becomes almost unbearable by the end of it. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing because what it's trying to do, but you can only take so much of that, especially when you have your own mental health and wellness issues that you're dealing with in life. And, and I think like it just only adds or triggers um, to certain aspects of that in terms of how people are and interact with each other. And, um, but sometimes it's just like, yeah, you're watching it and you just feel like, man, I, I, I need to get out of here. <laughs> I need, to, I need yeah. to run away at the end of the three hours. I'm like, Ooh, okay. I couldn't do more than that right now, yeah. but, um, I'm glad we saw them. Uh, so it is streaming on Paramount plus both in the U S and, uh, 
here in Canada. And like I mentioned, if you're in the New, New York area, it's at the Lincoln Center. Uh, and then in uh, Toronto, it's at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. I have no idea. Is it idea Tiff Bell Lightbox anymore, though? It's still Tiff Bell Lightbox. They haven't, I think that would be next calendar year. So we might only have a month and a half left of that. And then maybe starting in January, Bell's kaput. Uh, just the sponsorship bell the company is still around that would be yeah. wild if bell shut down <laughs> um anyways thank you all for listening or watching we really do appreciate it please go check out all of our other reviews we will have a review for poor things where emma stone is amazing in it and the movie is spoiler alert fantastic but eric and i will talk about that at a future date closer to the december 8th release date most likely um but you can check out our reviews for the Marvels, uh, for the killer, uh, for Priscilla, Priscilla. Thank you. My brain is mush. Um, we'll also have, you can check out all of our, speaking of TIFF, all of our TIFF recaps, uh, all of our TIFF reviews right here on untitled movie reviews, uh, our recap of the festival as well as Halloween stuff. I know it's weird, but, uh, is on our last episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. And Eric and I will be doing a very special vacation episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast soon where we talk about our vacations that we took this year. Uh, Eric went to Aruba and went to some movie and TV-themed things like the Sopranos <laughs> Piano Bar. Uh, and I also went to Disney and uh, Universal earlier this year. So uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that on the newest episode of the show. It should be coming out this week at some point so there's lots of stuff head over to letterboxd untitled underscore movies that'll be your one-stop shop for everything and as always you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. yes and also be on the lookout for an interview with todd haynes coming yes. up uh, may december it's not a long one but it was nice to talk to one of the best filmmakers working today um so you can find more of my video reviews on rogers tv.com at slash cinema scene and on all the social medias at em6211 until next time let the cherry tomato boys rise again <laughs> oh boy <laughs> bye everybody <laughs> <laughs>